You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and the A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser microphones at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. Have you noticed that all good things come in threes? XLR, AES, meat, cheese, and tortillas, Michael Lawrence, Chris Leonard, and Kyle Chernside, and now the Allen and Heath AHM Matrix family, AHM 64, AHM 32, and AHM 16. 96 kilohertz FPGA-powered sonic powerhouses for projects of all sizes. Who says matrices have to be boring? Not us. We've never said that. Kyle said it once, but we proved him wrong. Check them out today. We will not mention the first fart in the history of the Signal Noise podcast. <laughs> no way it was the first. The first, the first re- it, audible one. Announced. It wasn't really audible. Look, he had to announce look, this it. Look, is, this is episode 150. Welcome to the podcast, by the way. Um, and, <laughs> oh, we did it. And, and, we did and, it. And so I, I, Wait, is it really 150? Whoa, this this will be it? 150. Yes, it will be 150. Um, and I, th- there has to have been an episode where I, either I one burped. of us... I haven't found farted. one yet. I mean, I've I've burped like found... a lot. Yeah, <laughs> as someone who's going through everything at the moment, yeah, <laughs> so well, much Sam more Bo- than you think. Sam Boone, Kyle Chernside, Michael Lawrence, how the heck are you all, dude? Hi, uh, I think Fabulous. I finally got all the dust out of my my ears uh, from Coachella, and I'm getting on the plane tomorrow morning to go right back and get another helping of it. Have fun. It's all hell breaking loose over here packing. <laughs> We're trying. I, I have to say, the, the technical considerations aside of putting a huge orchestra through a line array in the desert, uh, there's a lot of things you need to do to make that sound inoffensive. You know, uh, that's just not how orchestras want to be listened to. But fantastic show. Danny Elfman uh kind of doing a retrospective on his career like Samoingo Boingo stuff, West Portland, Neely Brosh, Josh Freeze in the band, amazing band. Orchestra, all Holy Warner Brothers cow, players. Dude. Yeah. Orchestra full orchestra, so, choir. It's killer, man. It's a killer show. It's it, people really enjoyed it. So that is kind of like the talk on social platforms right now is Danny Elfman saved Coachella. It, it was I was calling it the, uh, it's like the Dark Horse, it was kind of like the sleeper hit set, um, because, you know, it's it's not main stage, the second, there's, there's there's a bunch of stages, on the second largest stage, it's still it's still a formidably sized area, there's a room for a ton of people, but, uh, like, my parents were like, oh, I read an article about it, like, there was buzz, you know, there was a lot of buzz about it. For sure. It was a really cool show. Um, hearing those things live, you know, some of the, like, the, the uh, Alice in Wonderland and the Batman Edward Scissorhands, like, it was really cool. I was kind of looking around, and, and there were a lot of people. It is weird to see, like, people, like, in all the crazy stuff that they write at Coachella, like, sitting on the in the dust, like, swaying to Edward Scissorhands theme. You know, like, it's not. And then it's like, and now Billie Eilish, right? So it's like, it was very, and we were up right after um, Disclosure. So, like, you know, super high SPL, crazy bass, loud DJ, EDM type stuff, people dancing and, and bopping and kicking up dust and then everyone's sitting on the ground. So it, it was very, um, it did kind of poke out a little bit, but 
Um, did, did Elfman have kick-ass merch? I did. He have like I, short shorts. I and couldn't crop say. Tops? He did take his shirt off though, and a lot of people were talking about that online too. I'm sure you saw some pictures. Nice. Um, we saw the picture of the butt that you sent to the text. Oh messenger. yeah, there was a girl with literally no pants on, and I said. So my, my plan is, I think when I go back to Coachella, I'm going to open a pants booth because a lot of people seem to have forgotten their pants. So I could probably make a lot of money selling pants. <laughs> um, the year bottomless became really cool. <laughs> and, and huge shout out to our friend Leo Pisak with with the band Lawrence. They uh, not only are they on top, what are they top forty right now? The only independent act that has a song in top forty. They had a huge turnout, a lot of buzz about their set. Um, yeah. I'm still waiting to hear. I, I don't know if the, I heard something about they might get their set moved later in the day and broadcast on the YouTube stream. So there might be some cool stuff coming. But nice. um, and I'm gonna say it, Leo can't make week two. I'm subbing for him. He asked me to sub Mix Lawrence. Not every day you get to mix one of your favorite Aww. bands at a, at a festival. Leo and I had a great time, man. We were walking around the festival. Uh, it's just it's such a cool hang, but also what an honor to mix that group at the level of musicianship. And obviously, I'm a fan of the music. Um, it's very hard to find qualified sound engineers with the proper name for that position. Um, so, yeah. did did you guys have funnel cakes together? <laughs> we we got lemonade. We got frozen lemonade. Um, and Leo took his shirt off, and we were just it was we were doing it, man. It was a lot of fun, it. you know. We, took we, your we pants like, off. You, you, I took you, my you, pants you, off. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. We saw we saw all the stages, and it was just it was just it was a great time. And uh, I think the band the band definitely played really well and got got a lot of new fans out of it. So they're just you know their their meteoric rise continues. Um, I so mean, they call Ryan, it meteoric rise. Meteors fall. That's an interesting. I never thought about that. What? Um, here you go. Call. We need to call Jeff Holly on that one. <laughs> we should. We should. Um. Yes. His take. I'm, I'm curious as as a um, what does it mean to be an SC who goes to a festival that most likely already has uh-huh. SCs who have deployed a system? What yeah. What does that mean? Because that I don't. That's not common, or I don't even feel like it's common. What's what's that, what's that mean? Yeah, that's a great that's a great thing, and actually sort of similar to what I wanted to talk about, right? Which is like the advocating for your artist type of thing. Um. So first of all usually when we go to these things, it's either a headliner or like one of the headline slots. So you're later on in the day. So that means you have a little more influence on things like system deployment and, and the stuff that you can advance and stuff like that. It's not the 2 PM slot where you, you get your 40 minutes and you get the fuck out. And um, you have more money typically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's more, there's more weight behind the production. You know what I mean? Um, so money, and okay. a larger audience. I mean, yeah, you have a larger audience. I mean, yeah, there's more so, money. I mean, money. If, there, if there wasn't a budget money. for it, you would right. be. No, there's, there. a, there's a budget. Um, so there's that. Um, typically speaking, there's not another artist there with an SE that's doing the work in the same capacity, right? Um, uh, so that being said, a lot of that is not catching people by surprise we want to reach out ahead of time and i mean part of the the stuff with the artist i'm with now is we want to see your drawings we want to see your predictions we want to know how the system's deployed so it's to the standards of the artist when we show up um and that's what i really wanted to talk about but also that's so the se of the vendor isn't surprised when there's another se showing up that's not a good way to start that relationship we both want to get what we want typically speaking we've had a really great time um shout, shout out to to bobby who who was the se at at our stage at coachella he did a great job um we had a really cool time working together um it was kind of funny because typically what we do is i go look i don't care what you do for your other nine acts 
my artist has a target curve. My artist has a way they want the, it timed. My, you know, I understand what my production wants. So you can give us our own file, load it for us, and doesn't affect anybody else. It's just sort of like you know your own lake overlay just on steroids. Um, typically speaking, though, it's always nice to have the second set of ears. I mean, we went through the whole system and we did our shading, we did our timing, and Bobby was like, yeah, you did all the things that I would have done to it anyway. So in that sense, he's like, I'll just use this as the file for the show. And, and you know, people generally don't want to go behind you and change a whole bunch of stuff after that. I think generally they're... Um, what if he was, like, stealing your thunder, though, bro? Well, well, it, <laughs> you know, what was funny is, is so Vic, Vic from Acoustics was there. Um, so after, you know, we, I went through and did, did our tuning and everything, and I, we saved that. You go, you know, thanks, man. You know, it was our hour on the loading day is our hour. Okay, here you go. Um, just save that file, and we'll, we'll load it back up before our set. Cool, everybody's happy. Thanks for thanks for working with us, so on and so forth. Vic from Acoustics shows up, first day of show. He walks around, does some listening. He comes back, and he goes to Bobby. He goes, yeah, man, it sounded pretty good out there. You know, it's like he gave him, like, one little note about one of the fills that he said, oh, you should you know, take some 1.2 out of that fill. But he goes, that sounds really good. As Bobby's like, thanks, man. <laughs> so, so it's – it's uh... Uh, but that's fine. Like, we, yeah. we did it together. Uh, we both heard the same things. You know, I make it a point to when we're going through this process – I go, yeah, I think those front fills want to come down by two at, at, at 6K. Uh, what are you hearing? You know, oftentimes we're hearing the same things. Um, so it is, think, it is I collaborative. I think this should, should maybe become a little bit more standard than from the way you're explaining it. Um, maybe the headliner should take a little bit more time at, you know, load in to get specifics. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm working with a band that uses a lot of acoustic instruments on stage and I could see where that would be imperative to have the curve that you need. And, and especially the time that you have at festivals, you know, um, I'll be going to iHeart country music radio in Austin in a few weeks. And, uh, you know, we're bringing board groups and, uh, I'll have my lake with me as well. So I imagine I'll get a bunch of that time because the, the front of house mixer is also the PM. So he's not around and he does have expectations. And this is a great way to start the conversation with festival organizers. Um, now you're going back for a second yep. thing. So that's something I would like to talk about is systems already been deployed. It's already been up for a week. Mm -hmm. and, and that happens a lot in Europe as well with a lot of the, the metal fest and outdoor open air festivals is th this PA just hangs mm -hmm. until that weekend's over. You know, there's literally people camping and peeing wherever they want, <laughs> let alone uh, having a system deployed for, a, you know, a, a large amount of days before you even get there. So I, w I wonder how you would go about that, Michael. Are you going to approach it different next week when you go? Or are you going to kind of take the, the same route? Hey, I'm coming in. Uh, this is what I need. Maybe not expectations because you're going to be doing something different. but um, use the material that you can get back from them to proceed forward as a SE on a festival show? I mean, it should be, it should be the same, right? So it, I should be able to bring our USB stick and plug it back in and load that file and be back to where oh, you're on the same stage. Same too. stage. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, our galaxy that we use to drive, you know, from our console, all of that is saved. So in theory, you recall it and you go. However, if you assume that it's all good, that's a dumb move, right? So, I am going to start by putting it back where it was when we walked away from it. Um, but I'm not just going to assume it's all fine. So there's still, I do a lot of walking 
um, you, you, if you, if you hear something funny, you grab your measurement and you, and you confirm that, you know, I, I always keep all my data. So we know where, where it was and you just want to get back there. It's just, it's just like the tour situation. We just want it to sound the same as yesterday. Um, you can skip some of those steps, um, because nothing moved. Right. So it's not like the gig you're doing now where you're in a new room with the different display angles and different configuration and you got to put it back the same way. So it sounds the same like this. This is this is we walked away and in theory, you come back and turn it back on and it's all the same. So um, I'm not going to assume that nothing broke or changed, but you can safely call those files up and, and use that as a starting point. Um, I think. Part of this and this is something that has really been a big perspective shift for me in general is the artists that I'm currently with that is part of their writer and it's, and this is a production management top down thing. Okay. These artists are like, this is what we want for our standards for our show. This is how our show sounds. It's in the rider that says we are going to approve your PA deployment. We have an SE and they get to sign off on the final way it's deployed. We want it driven like this. We want it processed like this. And that is what you agree to when you sign this artist contract. Um, I see that becoming more common for acts that, that have that, um, place that high priority on, on good audio quality. Um, but right now it's not super common. Um, and so one of the things that is different for me is sometimes the job is not to just be easygoing and just go, yeah, whatever you got, it's totally fine. I want to be easy to work with. That's not what I'm being paid for. Yeah, you're being paid for a standard. I mean, right, the, right. the opposite, right? Because if, if, right. if, if that was the answer, if, oh, whatever, then the right. front of house guy could just walk, or girl, or whatever, could walk up and be like, oh, I'll take it, whatever, is right. what it is, right? So, so, I mean, no, yeah, the opposite of that. So, so and it, what I, what I, is difficult for me to navigate sometimes, and it's something I've had a lot of practice at lately, is I want to be polite, I want to be respectful, I want to be easy to work with, but at the same time, my job is to protect the standard of what this production wants to be, what they're paying for, is that. Um, So I have to say, I know that you usually do your front fills like this, but that's not up to the standards of this production, and if you look at our documentation, we need it this way, so we have to redo that. Um, I don't like showing up day of show and making someone take down a whole PA and rehang it, but I've had to do it, because it's like... we sent you the file of how we wanted it hang. It didn't, it didn't filter down to the people and, and it's communication. It's like the office has it. It didn't get to the techs who were going to go out and actually hang that show. So it's not their fault. So we're not going to yell at them. We're not going to be frustrated with them. We're not going to be rude to them, but this is not the way that it was agreed upon. So we need to change it. Um, I don't like making people redo work. I try to filter that as I can, but at the end of the day, it's going to land in my lap if, you know, it's, and it's the old example. And I, and I know Rabel talked about this when we had Grabel on the show, but it's, it's a real thing. You've got a YouTube video or a Facebook video or something of somebody puts it up and that video, the sound's bad. They're going to say, why do we sound bad? And you cannot say, well, they didn't hang the PA the way we asked because it's like, well, that's what your gig is. Your whole gig is to make sure that, that it's done correctly. Yeah, so, Dan, Danny Muniz had literally uh, a fan. I talked about this on one of the episodes, but a fan, you know, there was a feedback squeal, right? You know, uh, yeah. and a fan tweeted that at Caliucci, and Caliucci came to Danny to talk right. about like that's that's how granular this can get. Someone exactly. in some seat at some venue can at message an artist, and and in a second could right. no, everything's cool and Danny sorted out or whatever. Right. But that's yes, that's how easy it is for that shit to go down. And and I, and I think 
that's that's not true for all artists. It's certainly true for the A level and, and you know the B level, the higher level shows, hundred yeah. percent. But but it's that is something that I think you know from a production company standpoint, a lot of them are like, well, this is the way we, we've done this venue. I don't know what seventy times, and we always just do it like this. And so there can be a lot of pushback on, yeah, but look, you've got our you've got our stuff, and our stuff is very very clear about how it's supposed to be processed and how it's supposed to be designed and deployed, and this is the way we need it. So. I'm here to help you send me your files. I'll, you know, I'll, we'll do that, that, but you can't just hang it the way you've always hang it and deploy it the way you've always deployed it and process the way it was processed. If it's not what our show is asking for, you signed our contract, you agreed to, to do this with us to our requirements. And so, you know, I know that, and I think what Brian Maddox is going to be the week after this one comes out. So a little bit of time work, but people are going to hear us talk about, you know, part of Brian's success is that he's easy to work with. He's easy going. He's cool. A lot of times that's not my job. My job is to go in and, and, and push back against the things that need to be pushed back on. So when the artist in the, the front of house and all that, those people show up, it's, it's the way that it is expected to be. Um, and that's a tough spot. It can be a tough spot, you know? Kyle, you're, so Kyle. that kind of begs two questions that could kind of spur into two different discussions if we want. For the record, not no, many I, of our listeners. You kept putting two. For, yeah, I, I kept doing the two. Oh, I thought you were doing I, scissors. I didn't I know what you were saying. Cut. Yeah, I, I was like, two, was saying, two <laughs> fucking things. Two and two. I was okay. trying to stop. I was like, had cut, fucking cut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so two things. First thing is, I, I'm I'm going to go ahead and assume this, but most of our listeners don't have the fucking juice that you're talking about. So let's talk about how you approach that if you're a front house person mm. going in and you want to do some system tuning or your SE is coming with you and you're playing at 2 PM and you don't want to get fucked off just cause it's 45 mm-hmm. minutes. Cause this is your big mm-hmm. shot. And then second is the being a dick thing. Um, <laughs> we, we definitely need to talk about yeah. that because there, there's a legitimate way to approach For that. Sure. Yep. And, and it's great to be like, no, it's in my shit. But let me tell you this. I've been TM front of house for a bunch of fucking touring bands that go into a bunch of fucking clubs and they still lock me out of their processor. No matter if it's in my contract or not. And if I go, I'm TM, this is our contract. And I call my record company and I go, fucking Joe's bar <laughs> in, in podunk buttfuck is not letting me get to their processor. I'm not going to do the show. You know what they're going to tell me? Uh, we need that money to pay the bill. You're going to do mm-hmm. the show. So I, I love your approach because you're working with a level stuff, but well, that's, the, that's most right, of us. That's most shift. of us are not working yeah. with most of us are not. So we need to be able to approach that legitimately. And I've had to do both of that. Mm. One, I've done some, some backdoor mercenary yeah. stuff where I send, <laughs> I send somebody back to the processor while I'm disturbing the other guy. <laughs> so he, they can, un- and, and I've actually had people call me and go, Hey, I've seen your program <laughs> in, in this, in this venue and so-and-so. So there are politically mm-hmm. correct ways to approach this thing as someone who's coming up and does have that 45 minute set and wants to make it. Right. Yep. And there's also an approach to getting in and getting the things that are said in your contract that Joe's bar is not going to let you do mm-hmm. because they're scared you're going to blow up their yeah. stuff. So those are two things that we need to address before we go, hey, I'm with fucking Slayer right. and I do what I want. That's That only happens in a small percentage of this whole thing. And sometimes Slayer doesn't even get to do half that stuff. 
because their management is going to say, you're only there for one day, get yeah. over yourself, make the show happen. And that's the legitimate thing. And that's for me working on both sides of the shit is like, I had minute work at a C market venue and they had, they wanted the best PA. They wanted, yeah, they signed off on it. These are getting a trip to St. Louis or to Kansas city. And they're playing this venue in between both of them. They're not going right. to do that. Sorry. I, I don't care who you talk to. They're not going to be like, we're not playing the show. We're not getting off the bus. Like that's a dick move. And then they quit using their agent and it would cause a whole bunch of other problems. And you just being, you know, the SC or the front of house or monitor engineer pulling that card. I think so. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of to unpack there. And you know, that expression you get, what is it? You catch more bees with honey than vinegar or something like that. Yep. Um, flies but yeah part of flies whatever why would you want to catch flies um but part of it is that it helps immensely when it is a top-down director from the artist where the artist is saying this is important to me and by extension the production manager is just saying this is important to me so so one of the things that that i do with with the pm that i'm with now is it's good cop bad cop and i know you love good cop bad cop pal so the the advance is very strong and very direct and and very serious, and I show up, and I'm just super nice and super easygoing and super chill. But the the level's been set for they're taking this seriously. But then it's like, how do I get this person to do what I want? Right? That's really what we want. At the end of the day, we just I I need to figure out how to get the system to a place that that I've been hired to get it to. Um, and and that is never by the proverbial schlong measuring contest. That's not right. That's that's not the way. What do you laugh at, Kyle? <laughs> One one fifty, and we definitely said schlong. There's long in the show. No, but but it's that's a real attitude. And I need you know the 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 one upmanship. It's just this just, just gross culture of territorial and asserting dominance, and and I think a lot of that's dying off. But that's still that's still a thing. Um, and that is not productive. So being nice and being approachable, uh, I will always burn a minute or two and just talk to the person about something that's not audio. We're going to have to work together today. I want them to like me. I'm going to like them. I want to remember their name. I want to ask how they've been doing. Um, There are some things I'm looking for that tell me how much I need to be concerned. If I show up and you've already sent me predictions and the predictions looked great and I didn't have to change them too much, that tells me you know what you're doing. If I show up and you've already measured the system and timed the system, like Katie, I showed up, she goes, yeah, I already measured it and timed it. And she did. And I didn't, I think we changed one millisecond on one zone. Like, okay, I don't need, to, I don't need to go zero it all out and start over because she, she did her homework. She knows what she's doing. She's good at her job. So we're just going to come in and put our little seasoning on it. Right. Um, if I say, all right, let's see your measurement data and you haven't measured your PA at all. You have no idea what your PA is doing. You have no data on it, or your measurement mic is on a six-foot cable at front of house. It tells me you didn't you didn't see what it's doing anywhere else other than mix position. Now I know I have to do a little more work on this. So part of it is as much as you need to defend the artist and work to the standard that they're trying to achieve. You don't get there by having a very good vendor SE and then completely undercutting them, because that says I don't trust you and I don't I don't think you know what you're doing so what i need to do very quickly is sort of make an evaluation of where this person is sometimes they're like look dude i'm gonna be honest with you i didn't have time to measure this thing that's cool let's do it together you know um to make it as collaborative as possible 
um, is, is, is a thing. A lot of them, the vendor SEs are younger, earlier career people, and they're excited to work with a touring SE or an SE who's with an A or B level artist and they want to learn stuff. That makes it an easy day when they're engaged in the process. Um, but I think, you know, if you talk about the C level markets or the little, you know, like the Joe's, the Joe's bar stuff, um, you know, a lot of it is, Hey man, I'm playing your sandbox today and thanks for letting us be in here. Like you want to, this is your little sandcastle. That's cool. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like you can have a little sandcastle. And, and the best thing you can do is, is, I mean, we carry uh, our own processing. We put it in front of whatever your processing is. So it's okay if we can't get into your system because we have our own. And we'll just run it through. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to turn your limiters off and blow your shit out. Like, that's not what we're doing here. Um, being able to have a Galaxy in our rack. So in front of house asked me for something during the show. Hey, it's a little bright. Can you take some EQ out here? Like, we can we can do those adjustments left, right, sub, fill. I have gain, polarity, delay, EQ. I have all of that right there at front of house in our rack, regardless of what the venue has access to or not. So I'm able to respond to those requests from mix in real time. Um, so basically what it boils down to is the stuff that we're relying on the on the provider for is the shading within the hangs and, you know, those types of things. Um, so th- think about the bands that are traveling to Coachella mm-hmm. and they're playing along the way until they get mm-hmm. there and they're bringing uh, a system person, someone to help set up consoles, tune the PA, get things mm-hmm. going. You know, that that's a person I'm thinking yep. about. Maybe not Joe's bar, but a theater that's, you know, how much time do you spend with that? Um, it, I, I love the idea of, of traveling with your own processor. Like you said, you can get in to do quick delay settings you don't have to worry about what their processing does. Um, you you can basically have all your tools without conflicting with them all day right. long. Um, but then when you get to the bigger shows, like you said, if someone has a drawing for you, a plot, you know that's great to have. Sometimes that stuff doesn't trickle down. Hundred you know? uh, yeah. percent. More more than not, it goes to someone who doesn't even know what sound is. They just look at signatures so they can write a check. And it sits in their office and then you get there and you're like, oh, did you get my writer? And they're like, dude, we barely got two sheets of a stage plot from 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we got some of your stuff. We got peanut butter and jelly. Like, uh, <laughs> so push pushing the subject. And I did this a lot with a lot of the bands that I toured with was, oh, man, what, what can we do to make this better for us today? You know, mm-hmm. check your components, make sure they work. Um, maybe even before you start measuring or anything, just listen to what you have going on. I mean, obviously if you're traveling with board groups or a rack of your own stuff, get that in line first. Uh, and I always did this, like, like you said, help the venue make it better. Yep. And uh, I, I think that's a huge learning thing for the house and everything else, because sometimes even during your show, people will come up and go, man, this is the best it's ever sounded in here. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you took your time and did the thing and then not making people angry about it. I think a lot of people used to go through and not know what they were doing with the tools. And, uh, that caused a lot of problems yeah, for sure. And, uh, the venue is usually not the person who makes all the money unless the promoter owns a place, you know, uh, it's usually a, a third party company like live nation or something else that bought the show and put it at that venue. So, um, 
there, there's a lot of navigation points there. Now, with you at Coachella, you're dealing, you know, directly with Rat, correct? Yeah, and uh, yeah. So most of the text there are Rat. We carry with some of our own text for that show, and then uh, the our, our control packages from 3G. So there's a couple vendors in the place. But hey, uh, Dave came over and watched some of the show, which is kind of cool. Um, and I made sure to, you know, it's the thing. Bobby's a great SC. I told Dave, I'm like, hey, Bobby took really good care of us, man. Like, I will. I, it's important for me that whoever's paying his paycheck hears about that because um, he made yeah. my day easier. You know. That's super important. I'm glad you said that because it, it's cool to make friends with their vendors because you never know when you may have to fly out to Southern California and start mm-hmm. there and you'll have a point of reference if you ever need to grab bits and pieces from a shop locally and, and do the thing. Uh, I remember we were in Oklahoma City doing an outdoor show. It's called like Something the Earth or it, it's a show that happens there all the time. And this company from Dallas came up, I think it was Miller Pro Audio or whatever, and made friends with them and actually sent a bunch of clients to them after sure. we left that thing because they were cool. They they understood what we needed. Um, who was that for? The Congos. Remember no, Congos? I don't. They're still around. Come with me now with the okay, uh, yeah, yeah. accordion. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to, to Mick <laughs> Quinn. I think he's still doing those guys. I, I, did, I did Jet with Mick too as well. And he was always very diplomatic about the way things sounded and really thankful for the local productions that's been staying outside and getting their, their meals and styrofoam boxes. I think that's a good word. Um, I think diplomatic is a good days. word. You can be direct and professional, but there's no reason to be insulting or talk down to somebody, um, be rude, right? I, I think part of it, yeah. Kyle, is number one, no one reacts well and surprised with, with demands. So we are we are sure. really far out. It is in our production manager's signature in his email. Here's a link to all of our current documentation. Every single email. Here it is. Here's the writers for audio. Here's the video. Here's the lighting. Here's the transport. Here's the everything's in there. So it's very very clear over and over again. This is what our show looks like. This is what the requirements are. So there's no uh, surprise. As soon as I can find out who's going to be on site, who's the local vendor. Uh, uh, SE, I want to talk to them directly so we can, like you said, cut through all the layers of stuff. So again, they're not surprised when another SE shows up on site and is expecting to, to do things. So eliminating the surprise, having good communication and advancing is really, really a big part of that. The other thing is, I mean, let's be clear. It's always give and take. So if I go, hey, you know, we we asked for four channels of this, but you can only get two. That's cool. We can work with two. Like, we will work with you. Um, if you're putting up a good faith effort, we're going to, we're going to work with you and, oh no. Okay. You can't get that card or we can do it a different way. You can do it with the Maddie card instead. We just have to do it a different way. Like we have some fallback configurations that we can do with our show. Um, if for whatever reason, the primary one doesn't work and obviously we're going to work with you and we want, we want to do what we can. Um, but there are some things that are more important than others, you know, and there was a vendor, that said, yep, we looked at your writer, it's all good, and then had literally none of it. Um, because Oof. that's your your C-level, we take all the shows from this group, and we just send the same package out every time. And that wasn't an issue of lack of communication. It wasn't an issue of lack of advancing. It was literally, we're just going to, we're going to wait them out, and then they'll have to settle for, and what's probably going to happen there is that you will, the vendor will be, will be changed. Um, yeah, and hopefully the the artist that you're working with uh, understands that you're going to need options. And I think that's one of the things. Like uh, 
now I'm seeing even local venues, AES, Dante, and analog options from whatever you're bringing into them. So you can basically hand them four cables and go, which one do you need? Right. Do you need? Right. And, and I think that's important too, is to have those options. So it does make the day a little bit clearer. And then the fear doesn't turn back on you that you won't be able to give the, the venue that won't can't budge. Right. Like in that situation, you have to make something work in the right. pinch. And, and you've talked about it all the time. I'm representing the artist. That SC is not going to go on stage and talk to the rock star. They're dealing with me for the day. So in their mind, I am the face of this artist. So if I come in you're, you're and the I'm ro- a, you're the rock star, I'm, I'm, I'm a man at work. Right. So, 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 and I've had this before. I worked for an artist and I had no direct interaction with the artist, but all of his people were intolerable and rude and unprofessional and just shitty to deal with. And so when I leave, my impression is that artist X, he's an asshole. Right. Yep. So it transfers down. We, we've talked about that before. It, it, exactly. So, so at the end of the day, is it not worth, it's not worth having this entire group of people in this entire venue, this entire production company think you and or your artist is an asshole because they didn't get the right brand of amplifier. That's not worth it. You got to play the long game a little bit. Um, so I think it's it's a lot about what you, knowing where you can compromise. And, and, and really, that's my job is to filter that because my job is that front of house and PM can't deal with it because they have other stuff to deal with at the end of the day. So and like you said, you know, the artist understands the artist under, the artist doesn't always have a granular understanding of every single piece of equipment that's there, but they trust their people to give them that product. And that's the gig. So I know where I can I'll never cut a corner but I know where, where I can give, give and take a little bit and still get the show where it needs to be, where the artist is going to be happy with it. And we don't risk a problem, but I don't piss off a vendor or I don't piss off a local crew. You know, if one of your boxes is off by one degree, I'm not gonna make you rehang the whole thing. But when, when, you know, when you have 12 boxes hanging and none of the angles are correct and you're oversplayed by 14 degrees and then we can't get energy to front it, like we're going to rehang that. So, so there's a lot of, having to make the call, which is really what system engineering is in a way, just making judgment calls. Um, but I think the, the, the tougher part of that for, for me to navigate has been exactly what you're talking about, which is the politics of how do I get what I want out of this without making everybody hate me, but still keeping the show to the level that the artist is expecting and why they're signing my paycheck. Right. What's, what's something you learned out there? Something I learned is that very often the SE who's been sent out with the vendor either doesn't have a good grasp of what they're doing and understands that or is insecure about their ability. Um, I've had a lot of good ones. I've had a lot of bad ones. But more often than not, they're really open to learning things and having some insight into how other people are doing it and saying, yeah, every time we do this room, I just, you know, the front fills always sound weird. Like, okay, let's see what we can do with it. Um, it's a great feeling when they go, we're going to use this as a new file for this venue now because we like it. Or when you do a festival, I mean, the last two festivals I did, we tuned it and no other acts asked for changes because they liked the way it was. That's cool, well, you know? You break in their OmniDriver DBX unit <laughs> and you change the graphics on the front to be your name. Yeah, there you go. I'll put, I'm going to put K Turnside in everything from now on. Actually, I'm going to start putting your name in those. Um, <laughs> I haven't done that since like... I, I, late 90s. I think the biggest 
I think the biggest learning thing for me, Chris, was where do I draw the line? Because the whole point of being hired in a position like that, like artist SE, is because front of house and production management don't have the bandwidth for it. So if every time I need to make a call, I have to go back to front of house or PM and say, well, do you think we should do this or that? Mm. Why are they paying me? Yep. They pay me to deal with that. So, so I have a lot more latitude than I originally thought to just make the call and make the right call. And when you have a shitty venue, you have a shitty room, you have a shitty environment, it's my job to know what's going to help, what's not going to help, and to just to do what I can. And, and it's an extension of Ryan John told me a long time ago. There you go, right? There's a Ryan John thing. Two he goes, he goes it's, the, artist, the artist shouldn't ever know there was an issue. Your job is to fix it before they even show up. So when they show up, it's great all the time. And so I think the biggest learning curve for me was that by being put in that position, you have more latitude than you probably think to do what you need to do to get it to work um, because they're not looking over your shoulder because, because they've got other things to do. So um, the adjustment for me, um, you know, th- it, I was talking to a friend recently and they were on tour with an artist and they, they had a house monitor engineer and the house monitor engineer was fucking up. The problem with that is, from a management perspective, uh oh, we lost Chris again. Chris's internet is broken. <laughs> He'll be back. Don't worry. So Don't worry. all the time, all, all the times that he made fun of me for it happening, he's back. He's back. Yeah, the, mine only happens once in that. I know, Chris. We're glad you're back. We missed uh, you, buddy. If so, you're touring with this artist, right? You are, from management perspective, in charge of the sound department. That's, that's, that's how management views your job. You Maybe your front of house, you're losing it, using a local monitor engineer. If that person's fucking up, it's still going to land in your lap because the artist and or artist management is going to say, Hey, we've been having audio problems. Who's our audio person? Replace that person. They don't have the technical depth probably to know that it was or was not your fault or why it happened. So you are advocating for your artist and yourself, right? Um, I don't know. There, there's two ways to that. I think you're advocating for the front of house person that you're setting the PA up for. I, I'm okay. I, I didn't give content. I'm talking about you're on a club level tour. You're the only audio person on the tour. Oh right? yeah, 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 for sure. But but if you're an SE and you didn't say you're front of house, like you're advocating for your front of house mixer, and I would call them an artist too, to have a good show and sure. a consistent show, sure. right? So consistency. Same thing if, if you're monitor tech, you're setting up monitor world or front of house board groups or not, or whatever you're bringing in the supplement PA, you, you answer mm-hmm. not to artist management, not to the mm-hmm. artists. You answer to the front of house person that like, like Danny. Yeah. hundred percent with that tweet. But if you're talking about sort of your first tour that you're probably going to land, which is, you know, the van, everybody's in the van and you have one sound person. Um, if that artist perceives constant audio issues, that's your problem to deal with, even though you didn't cause it. Like it's that's the old joke, right? Like the the feedback squeal because the singer pointed the lead, the, the microphone right at the at the wedge or something like that, and everyone's gonna look at the sound engineer and you're like, well, I didn't fucking do that. Like, but you did. You you everyone else thinks you did. So if you are if you are worried about that relationship with the house person to the point that you don't advocate for your artists and do the job you were hired out, you're gonna be replaced every time. Um, so there's something inherently where we don't like confrontation and we don't want to tell the house person like, Hey, we got to make a change here, but it's going to land in your lap when it's fucked up. So I think the biggest thing for me was getting used to the level of expectation that had been placed on 
me to do the job in a way that is up to the artist standards. And it, and I'm lucky I have a good front of house. I have a good PM on the gigs I have right now. And if there's an issue or there's pushback, then I run it up to them and, you know, they can rain the hellfire down. So I don't have to do it. So I can preserve the, hey, the good cop. Right. But the, the thing you want to avoid is when front of house or PM or, or artists, God forbid says, why is it fucked up? And you go, well, I didn't get the right stuff or I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to ask the guy for more filters or that's not a good reason to have the show be fucked up. So what's a good reason? Where do you draw the line? I, well, that's the thing. I mean, that's that's the whole, that's when do you, the whole game. When do man. you go to your PM? When do you go to your PM and say, "Man, this is just becoming difficult." I think I I can't do nothing about it. We had a situation at a theater where the system was installed and it was not designed or hung well, and there's no way to move it. It's bolted to the ceiling. There's no energy in the balcony because there's no boxes pointed in the balcony. I cannot take your PA down because it's dead hung. Uh, so there's nothing to do about it. And and that is an issue where, look, unless you want to bring in fucking a rigging crew and have them drop this PA and hang it and change the points. like Realistically, in the next four hours before the band comes off the bus and comes on stage, there I have no options. Um, so I don't think it's that you're expected to work miracles, but I think it's due diligence. Right? It's... Did you use the tools that you had? Did you use all the options? If if you're still striking out, then you're still striking out. But you you exhausted all all the things you could exhaust. But I think that's part and, of and building the rapport with the people you work with. Mm-hmm. Like at that point, they understand that when you say there's really nothing else, and you can explain why to your front of house if they under if they have an in depth understanding of systems then they can look at you and they see all the problems you do and they understand that you you have exhausted all possible avenues. 100%. There's, so there's a trust thing there that's big. Right. Um, so after a while, that conversation doesn't need to happen. Exactly. Um, you know, we had... And you a, can't flood them with just bad shit either. You got to say, hey man, here's what I did. Yeah. I did this thing. We got these things working. This is what's happening yep. that's given me a problem. You need to know now... Mm-hmm that this is the way it's going to be. Like there's nothing that we can do to change it. Yeah. And I think the sooner those things are addressed and taken care of, uh, not that it doesn't give you any time, but it gives them time to, to wherever they're going to run it up the chain, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't think anyone- no, you're, you're absolutely right. And we had, I remember a day and I don't remember the venue, but I could go dig the data out. We had a day where 125 Hertz at front of house was a little thin. But it was fine everywhere else. It's just one of those weird acoustic things. This is just the, the, you know, so I have the data and I go, here's measurements from nine other places in the room. Here's measurement from front of house. It's just light at front of house. So don't go chasing this all night. What you need to know is it's fine everywhere else. And so, you know, so you've got Denny with, with Volbeat at the time and you've got Dave with Ghost. And so when they show up to front of house, that's the first thing I tell them. Yeah. I've had, I've had SEs do that to me. Hey man, you're on a riser step off right. the riser to get real right. reference and, and, or, Hey, there's a balcony over you mixed dark mm-hmm. tonight here because you're blazing everyone out there speaking their terms, right. you know, um, give them the frequencies that are going to be bad. So if you see them reach for it in the show, you can actually say, whoa, 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 whoa. step down for a second. I'll stand here. Mm-hmm. 
just walk up to the front of the desk or wherever else. And I think that's a great approach. Like, um, especially if you have a front of house person, that's not like Denny and doesn't walk, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that that's what I'm dealing with now too, is like, get those measurements from the other room or at least use your ears in the other part of the room. I think the measurement at the end of the day is going to change anyways, uh, depending on people and where people are placed and, and how things are going to go down eventually with the band and like listening to program or pink is going to be way different than the band playing, um, changing instrumentation on stage, but give them a, a, a solid reference. Like, uh, today in rehearsals, there's a riser behind us with video and, and lighting, and there's a little trap happening there. And uh, you walk away from that trap, and you get back full spectrum. So that was one of the mm-hmm. first things I said was, hey, man, I see you looking over at Smart. What are you looking at? And he's like, oh, right here. It's a little odd. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's right behind right. us. Just walk down here. And right. he didn't. He was like, oh, okay, yeah. cool. And, you know, that that could play an effect in the way they're mixing too. And I think a lot of SEs are afraid to tell their mixer, if they have a mixer, uh, that, hey, man, I asked you on a phone call. My board feed to smart and my microphone feed to smart are a great reference for what's going on. Like if all of a sudden I start hearing 400 all crazy and I look over at the snare and I can see 400 coming off your desk that much it maybe i don't reach for a filter mm-hmm. i say hey man that that's coming from you now right oh okay you know and that's a good conversation to have as well as like uh control issues and things in the room especially in odd environments yeah. man just be communicate it's all about communication i mean you know not brown and i had a really nice shorthand if 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 he was hearing something he would flip to the graphic eq on his console and he would point to a scribble strip because we can't talk during the show. We're in masks and it's loud. So he'd just point to a frequency. And what he's asking is, is this on the PA? Is it in the room or is, is it in the mix? You know? And so we were able to do that without talking and he could either take it out of his mix or, or tell me that he was hearing something in the PA. And then I could go, I can take it out of the PA for you or no, it's just right here. It's fine everywhere else. I know this cause I walked. So let's just let it ride. Um, but saying, don't chase that or saying, Hey, it's really dry in here today. So, <coughs> you know, you're going to hear, don't be trying to push that high end. Cause it's, it's just not going to be there today. Or, I mean, Coachella was fucking windy and we had line arrays flapping. Right. <laughs> so, so your, your high frequency is, is really hit or miss. And I said to Denny, don't, don't chase that. It's a, it's immersive. That's what all the kids. Yeah. That's what, that was the joke I made. It's yeah. immersive, but, but, <laughs> but you're, your mix engineer is going to hear that stuff. And if you have a good relationship, you can let them know what they need to address and what they don't need to address. Um, and it's about eliminating variables like, Hey, I walked. Yep. It's bright everywhere. So maybe let's take some top off the mix or no, it's just bright here. Like you said, we're on a riser or there's a weird concrete wall behind us. Um, I just want to give them the information they need to do their job. And there's a ton of trust involved in that. Um, and Kyle, you'll, it sounds like you have a good relationship with your mixer, but, Boy, you have to be real careful. You know, it's two days. Yeah, but but I've had mix engineers where I felt like I could not lean over and say it's a little hot at three k. I felt like I couldn't say that that we didn't have that relationship. Um, and did you do? Did you have a feed off your desk and a smart that they could see? I always run an RTA 
uh, if I can. Sometimes we'll take a feed out of the desk too. But even if it's a mixed thing, I mean, honestly, the, the mixers that I have a good rapport with, even if it's in the mix, they still want to hear it from me. Like, you know, Denny and I have talked about this. He says, well, why would you not? Why would I not want? I've got another set of ears here who can listen critically and hear these things. Why would I not want that? You know? I I, I think that that's a relatively new mindset i mm-hmm. think that uh, us as audio engineers have massive egos um, <laughs> and, and, and and if if you don't you're lying right like and look even like um um uh, multiple people have told us like yeah like at the end of the day like um you know yes if you don't have some t- if you're not proud of what you're doing or whatever so sometimes it is hard to accept sure that feedback, constructive criticism, whatever, you know. Um, so no, I, I think it is a mentality shift. And maybe sure. there's people who've always been that way. So no, I I, I don't I you know, Denny and uh, a lot of the other people that we talk about on the average aren't necessarily the the par for course of of like why is everybody like this, right? There's a reason why there's a handful of people out there who are on a different level. So um well that's it kind of comes around again. They like you said pride of your work, I think is a really key phrase. Like they're very proud of their work and they care a lot about the product. And so if they it can be better, tell me how it can be better. Um you know, because I'm, I'm very careful about the the feedback to mix, really careful about it. And the first time I work with Denny, he said, what do you think? I go, it sounds good. You know, and the second time I go, it sounds good. And the third time he goes, come on. He goes, come on, you got to have something. You know, so, and then it's like, okay, your your second floor time is going to be a problem at 70 hertz or whatever. I don't remember what I said, but but I, I had something. But now, I mean, we have such a shorthand because I've done a lot of work with him. And, and he can come to me and say, hey, that second delay line, you, that's a little hot, you know. Yeah. Okay. Let's take it down. We both realize like this is synergistic. And if the mix is good, but the system sucks, it's not going to be a good show. And if, if, if the mix sucks, but the system's good, it's not going to be a good show. We, we help each other and build each other and we want it to be good. And, and so we, we should advocate for that because I think that's a, that's a good thing that Chris brought up is, okay, you, you've spoke about Bobby who that was his PA right? and everyone else is just visiting. Right. You know what I mean? So the communication level with the SE need, needs to happen, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like walking into your house gig. Like when you used to talk about your theater gig and you're like, Hey, it, it's a little bit of an anomaly in our room. This is what happens in it. Um, I, I think that gets lost on festival shows a lot because I, I've spoken to a lot of people that have deployed PAs for festivals and they're like, man, I spent a day getting this PA to sing and then so-and-so came and mixed and just, it was garbage. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think we can stop that conversation by having more SEs work with their mixers, especially in that situation where there's like a 10, 15, 20 minute changeover, Mm -hmm. uh, line check through cans. Um, it, it, it helps. And, uh, maybe the mixer on the other end needs to be a little bit more receptible to the criticism. Mm-hmm. It's not criticism about their mix. It's trying to help them get it into the pocket right. where you put the system in. And, and 
that's in a touring situation or a festival situation or a club situation. Or, or I mean, look, uh, visiting, visiting, situation. visiting friend engineers who are doing shows. Yep. Like, I mean, like I was out, um, Kane Brown show, right. And, you know, David Lloyd's out there mixing. And then after the show, it's like, even so he was like, Hey man, how was it? I'm like, you want my honest feedback? Like I prefaced it first. Cause just knowing that we're sound people. Right. And like people's feelings could get hurt, you know, it was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Hey, Hey, I think the toms were too loud the whole show. Like, I mean, I was like, I mean, it was a very honest, it was like, Hey, mm-hmm. I think it sounded phenomenal. The towns, the Tom sounded freaking gorgeous. Just at least, I don't know. And I said, look for the record, I don't know. I mean, I was sitting in an awkward spot of the side hang. So maybe there was a thing happening over there. I don't know, but you know, that that's my context, you know? And so he's like, oh, cool. I appreciate this. He has, you know, he's like drums, the Tom's I've been struggling with that. So, mm-hmm. but that's. That's not sometimes not an easy conversation to have. This is a a level. I mean, Kane Brown's one of the number one country artists there is selling out arenas right now. And here I am going to say, hey, you know what? I think you could have done better this with it. Like that. Sometimes that's not easy to hear. But mm-hmm. I think that's part I'm of. I'm sure you, also, I'm sure you juiced him up. For a <laughs> I also could be. I also could be wrong too. Like it, you know what I mean. Like it was. It, 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 there are opinions, right? Like well, sometimes might, sometimes the answer is yeah, I agree, but that's the way the artist wants it. That happens sure. all the time. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And I know one time I went to see Fishbone when I was a kid and I turned around and I gave the thumbs thumbs down and shook my head. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> so so Kyle, there is a and I'm not gonna call it a trick, but it is a it is a mechanism that I do use when I need to have a cooperative collaboration with like, you know, a vendor SE. And the, the thing is to give them options as soon as you can. As simple as do you want AES or analog from us? Um, do you want us to set our front of house up first, or do you want us to tune the system first and come back and set our house? I'm going to let them make a call. It's your house. I'm going to let you run your house. Um, just so well, you- you've also you're also so, like that's a, also like a rule in management too. Is that you you actually give the person the answer you want them to give you, and, and it empowers them and makes them feel like they gave you the answer. Really, it's just the answer that you wanted. So that's a psychology Tom management thing that fucking Sawyer. Yeah. If you paint the fence and you, sh- you tell them it's fun and you make them paint the fence, it's fucking yeah. Yeah. Tom Sawyer. Mark Twain was brilliant. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, but what I know that it would not feel good to me if someone came into my venue where I was the SC and didn't let me have a voice or a role in that process at all. And it's like, dude, this is my fucking system. This is my room. I know this shit. I designed this shit. You're locking me out. That doesn't feel good. I don't want to do that to somebody else. They know the rig. They know the space better than I do. You know what I mean? We can work together and have a collaboration. I know what my artist expects. You know what your system does. So let's work together on this. And I absolutely appreciate when I can walk with another SE and say, what are you hearing? I think I want to take one millisecond of those front fills. Do you, what do you hear? Um, and I, I value that feedback in that second set of, because that's, we get a better result when, when you have people working together on it, you know? Um, how, how much of being a mixer and being an SC allows you to be more diplomatic? Like, I remember we had a conversation, and I forgot who we were talking about, but um, they were like, I hear something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to explain it. Come touch yeah. the console. Oh, that, that was, that? Um, that? yeah, that was. <laughs> See? Uh. 150 episodes. <laughs> I dude. know what you're talking about. Um, and I and I have the same thing. Uh, Steve Steve Guest. Yeah. And yeah. but it was he was the SC for Pink Floyd for um, 
Buford Jones. Buford. Uh, so that's yeah, yeah. right. It, 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 no, no one ever, no one ever heard this episode because it just didn't get released for reasons. But um, the, the short the short story was, you know, you had the system engineer Steve Guest, you know, and that's primary at the time. It's all he was really doing. He wasn't much of a mixer. Buford, being the amazing mixer he was doing Pink Floyd, he kept telling Steve like, "Hey, I, I hear this thing. I hear this thing." And Steve's like, "I don't, I don't know." And Buford stands up and is like sit down and mix he's like what mm-hmm. sit down and mix and this is like mid-show right and steve guest sits down he's like within 30 seconds he's like i heard it he's like oh yeah. i get it he's like cool get out of the chair it goes and does the thing yeah and yeah yeah 100 i mean you're, you're listening a different way i'm listening to air absorption and distortion and and variance and what the drivers are doing and the mix engineer is listening to the balance of, of signals and so on the miguel show usually i i start the show and i end the show because Denny's got to go backstage and work with Miguel to start the show and end the show. Must be nice. Uh, <laughs> Must be real nice. So, and uh, and you got to mix Ghost and you know. Yeah, but you do hear. I mean, and, and Tommy talked about it too, right? Because he mm-hmm. he did both with Dave Matthews. But you do. It is a very different mindset when you're mixing. I'm I'm trying to, and I'm getting better at being in both at the same time. Because again, I I am fortunate to work with mix engineers who want my comments on the mix and they, they if i'm hearing something they want me to they want me to tell them um but it really is a different mentality um that, in other, do you do you use both at the same time though i mean do you approach it as if you were mixing it Does no I, I don't approach it as if i was mixing it um it's sort of like and i for those listeners who work in the studio you're sitting in front of your daw chris you, you were doing some stuff in the DAW for for that band you're working with you sit in front of the DAW and you're like All right, i got it this sounds great let me bounce it you bounce it, you start playing that wave file back, and you immediately hear something that you need to fix, right? Yep, because 100%. You're, it's that's the difference is you're listening to a stereo two mix versus something where you've got forty or fifty or sixty elements together. That's the that's the same duality. Um, so I I'm typically hearing it as a, I like as that a two explanation. Mix. And then what that two mix is doing as it's going through my PA, and I'm not going to do the guitar is a little hot. Uh, because that's not that. That's what I wanted yeah. to hear. That begged the question. That was perfect. It's, is like that is a, a great way to approach it is you have all these separate entities when you're actually mixing the show and getting the balance is fine there. And as an SE, you're listening to a two mix mm-hmm. basically. And you're listening for over tonal right. quality there instead of listening to the mix of instruments. I, I noticed this today after listening to rehearsal for a little bit, I started diving deeper and I was like, okay, I, I, I did the um, approach, the Howard Page approach. I looked at the stage and I made sure that elements of the show were represented through the mm-hmm. PA as if I was seeing them. Mm-hmm. Because visuals are huge. They play a huge part. They really do. I think Dave Ratt did a video of this or an, an idea of this a while back is is, is putting these things in a box uh, and and visualizing where you see them and how you hear them. So I think after you sit there listening to two mix for a while, that if you've mixed a show before and you've mixed all the elements together and you've SE to show and you listen to the tonal quality of this two track, mm-hmm. then you just, you, you kind of detach and you can kind of use both of those together. And you know, the other thing, Kyle, is you're, you're developing your critical listening in a way that you haven't yet. You're right. So, yeah, so totally. when you walk first, you go, Oh, gee, those downfills are a little hot. I'm going to take them down by, by 2 dB. And you take it down by 2 dB and you're like, cool, that's what I wanted. You get to a point where you're like, gee, those downfills are a little hot. And you go, I'm taking it down by half a dB 
and then it sits where you want. You can refine that precision listening. And, and Sam has seen Denny and I sit there and discuss 0.4 dB of EQ filter. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that you can get down yeah. to these margins when you have developed that critical listening. So you're going to be developing that. I yeah, did that exactly. today. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it reminded me of 2005 when I used to walk with the tablet with David yep. Boyle around the arena. Like, I was it put everything back into perspective. And I, and I want to say this. It doesn't make you more comfortable by any means. It makes you more confident that you're making the right decisions. And that's what I want to get to is that DB mm-hmm. increment thing, because that is like I'm mixing all the elements of the show and it's not this two track tonal quality thing or, or a line on a processor that's sitting over right. here that I can and, look at. Like th- that's what I want to define yeah. is like, Hey, how much am I going to refer to that line on that thing that mm-hmm. I'm watching? Or how much am I going to rely on this thing that I'm hearing with and I'm seeing with? Like, I think you have to combine both of those elements at you some do. time. For um, sure. and, and, and the best part about it, and, and I never even thought about it this way, is I sit through all that stuff. From the time doors open to the time stuff starts coming out of the air, I'm sitting at front of house or walking in the venue. So I'm listening all day. So separating all those little critical listening elements, I can fix shit yeah, all day right. if I wanted to. But then I have to draw a line too, you know? Well, well the fun and, thing, and, the, the and fun thing you're going to get to is for five shows in a row, you're going to, you're going to, when you're tuning and you're walking, you're going to go up to the back row, 300 level or whatever, and go, uh, need a little more high end back here. And then when the show starts and the room's full, you're going to go, oh, it's a little bright back there. And you're going to take a DB and a half off. So after you do that five times, you just start tuning it. So it's a DB and a half lower than where you want it. And then when you go back up at showtime, yes. you're like, that's it. It's perfect. So you're going to learn that pattern of how the Critical. room behaves and how the system behaves. And that's different per room. It's different per system. But you're going to know that system that you have. Like you said, that's your system. For this tour, that's your system. And you're going to learn what it does and how the horns sound. And, you know, you said something to me today. Oh, you know, when I get these boxes at this angle, I don't like the way that behaves. Like those are the things you just learn with the experience of your system. And then in the, in the future, you go, I'm not going to put those at that angle because of those weird shit. And so it just gets better because you're continuously compounding all that, that you're picking up, you know? Well, I think it's all part of being teachable and realizing that you can learn something from everybody, whether it's the front of house engineer that you're working with or somebody you're watching do things Right. Especially like Michael going and like walking with you and tuning PA. It's like, it's, it's been really nice to realize like, okay, this is, I trust my ears. This is what I'm hearing. And then realizing that's what that looks like. And that's how that's controlled. And you, it all kind of begins to compound together and understand. Sam, how, mu- how much do you like learn yourself too, without being with Michael? Like, A lot. like I did that today, just walking around by myself. I was like, well, from discussions that we've had in the past and things that I was thinking about while I was doing it, it was like, this makes sense mm. now. Well, I, I like learn something on my own just by taking that walk. Right. You know? And Michael's seen me do any talks about Hershey where like, I just left where I was like, I'm, I'm going to go walk. Like I didn't tell anybody. I was like, I want to hear the system. So I'm going to go hear the system. Um, that's very much kind of how I operate where I, I want to walk through everything and get my thoughts on it. And if I even a lot of times I'll go through data, I spend a lot of time looking at data. I, I probably should do it more, but um, just been working with it and trying to get familiar with the things that I am naturally don't have a lot of experience in yet. So for me, that means I should do more ear training and I do a good bit, but 
definitely like building those muscles and then being able to recognize that I've now walked enough times. Okay. That's what that sounds like. And kind of building the confidence with it. And then same thing goes when I'm reading smart data, like looking at it and saying, okay, this, this is this trend. This is what this looks like. This is how I see this. I call it eye ear coordination, Sam. right? Yeah. And Kyle, this is yeah. something you're developing as we speak, which is I see this data that I, that I measured and I know what that sounds like, and that feeds that feeds itself. So after a while, when I hear it, I know what that's going to look like when I measure it. And when I measure it, I know what that's going to sound like when I go listen to it. Um, the, the other element of right. this is there's a huge difference between understanding why someone you're watching did something and making the decision yourself. I had I had Cat up shadowing me last year at a show two years ago. I don't sometime, and I was like, look, we got this many subs per side. We can do end fire. We can do gradioid. We can, excuse me, gradient. You know, cardioid. We can do gradioid. I like that. It's, it's a it's a singular yeah, singular cardioid. Like uh, it's a, it's so, a metal band from. Dubai. But I I said figure it out. Figure out how you want to deploy the subs. Whatever you settle on, we're going to do it. And so all of a sudden, it's not just going. Well, I'm doing three box inline cardioid, and this is why. Like she, instead of just her going, yeah, I understand that. She had to think critically about the tools and the options and make a call. And that is something that. I try to provide those opportunities for people that are mentoring with me and shadowing me. I want them to have to engage because it's a different part of your brain than just looking at what I did and going, yeah, I get it. When you have to make a call and you have to think about it and make a decision and think about why, that's that's a much more valuable learning experience. So my favorite okay. thing that Michael does sometimes is he, I call them brain teasers. Where I'll just randomly get these texts of like, here's this scenario, here's what's happening. How do you fix it with no other context? And I like, that's all I get. And I just get these random text messages and he's like, okay, how do you solve it? And that is my, that has been my favorite exercise. That is my absolute okay, favorite get thing. Get the brain the cells burning there. We did a festival and they I didn't have the we, side. We, we should start, we should start a whole channel of discord with those. It so is and so have, much. Sort of and, and have, and no, have people. Is. A t-shirt. Oh, well, I, t-shirt. I, I, know, I know the system engineering channel is kind of like a, a living, breathing version of that, but it may be mm. cool to like have no. a way to like submit your a- answer to how you would do it. And I don't know. It's, so it's, Michael did that. Yeah, we did he one. He did that with the half arena. Oh, I, that, I know. But, like, yeah, yeah but, you got it in Dallas. I, like, I, I, I get I'm, them. I get them about 10 minutes prior or the same time and get told, don't look at the discord. So I, I hear a ton about data, and here's something I've already realized, and I'm only a few days into this. I mean, I've seen other things, and I, I pretendicated that I could do it, but I want each of you to answer this legitimately because I've already figured it out for sure, is how many times are you fucking playing horseshoes with your data? And what I mean by that is how many times is your data off by a bit? And so I want people to recognize that your data isn't the be all end all. Well, it's as only as good as what, you know, you can make measurements all day long, but if you set up incorrectly, Mike in the right wrong place, time, time. But but incorrectly isn't even a fucking thing because you don't know until day of show. And Michael and I talked about this this morning at breakfast, you're making changes because you can actually physically see the venue. You're not using this data that you preconceived before you walked in. Now there's a bit of horseshoes in all the data, right? I mean, so you're kind, you're kind of 
Well, yeah, Finley and A were talking about that one. Me. I don't remember where it was. You walk into the venue, and like, yeah, I had the model for this, but they didn't have the gigantic fucking American <laughs> flag that's blocking 300 seats. Like, that wasn't in the, in the model, yeah. right? So, so there's that. Um, in terms of like system, but that's heights, hold on, but that's still, heights. but that's still, I, I, I'm not discrediting. No, no. Uh, here's here's the thing, right? There are horseshoes in data. Yeah, it, that's it, all I'm saying. nothing ever tells you the whole story period right and and any measurement tool is garbage in garbage out that's another thing Uh, right but it's it's still the root of it's only it's only as good the data is only as good as what's been put yeah 100 just just like hold on just like the flag just like just like the flag just like the flag thing right the the data wasn't good enough because not everything was put Uh, i will say this and then i'm gonna sam's gonna explode (laughs) i when I yes. measure a system and I walk and when I walk and I go, wow, it's really heavy at 250. I need to take 250 out. When I hear that and I make a change, if it's more than like a DB, I've never had a situation where when I went back and looked at the data, I didn't see it. It's there. Sometimes you're moving really quick and you don't, if you're taking your measurements in a way that's, that's productive. Um, I've never had, a, I've never been completely surprised by a PA when I turn it on. Um, it, that stuff is in there if you know where to look for it. Um, I've, I've, I've never had a situation where I had measurements that just didn't fucking match what I heard. I've never seen that. Um, okay. But okay. it's the how not to be an idiot rules, yes. as I refer to yes. them. Like yes. that's, that's what that is. If you put your is. mic in front of house, it's not going to tell you that your side hangs are too hot. Right. It's what are, what are you measuring? How are you measuring for it? What's in your loop? And then how... Right. How does what you're seeing translate to what you're hearing? But also, and again, then it's get it's only as good as what you data you put into and you it. Right. Right. How the measurement like, works? A, and right. you, you can have That's a garbage distorted speaker, and that doesn't show up in a transfer function measurement. But you also have to understand that you you have to be measuring for what you're looking for. Well, yeah. If I want yes. to know how much my car weighs, they don't use a ruler, right? Right. So you got to understand what this thing is. Yeah, but do. okay. Then, <laughs> then let's talk about lasers on a bumper. Oh car no! Don't start, oh, don't, don't start the laser. Don't get started. The laser debate. Don't start the no. laser debate. But I'm just saying, it's horseshoes. You're still playing yeah. horseshoes uh, one way or right. another. Broad, broad I, strokes. I there are every tool has its uses and its limitations. A lot of but times the, for me, the la- the laser thing will be it's only as it. good as the way it was mounted and say what you're trying. So I, again, it, thank you. Yeah. Not that's fucking but, horseshoes. I don't care what your no, dad said. You're my, not measuring my issue, for the my issue with, and a half that you're off the front of the no, face of the speaker. My, 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 and your trim. But my issue with what you're trying to say is is that uh, inherently the data has flaws. And and yeah, it's it's not to be. No, I wouldn't say flaws. I'd say it has limitations. No, okay. Limitations is a is a is a word that I would use. I think you have to have certain expectations for what you can learn from it. What is it? What is it? What you learn? What can it tell you? Come on. Is that well, right. It, what are you looking for? What, <laughs> what are you, are you measuring for? for? Yeah. <laughs> I was begging to get Michael to say that the data is not always correct. Well, it, it's like saying a ruler. No, no, no. It, like you wouldn't say like a ruler is not always correct. Like it really doesn't always answer the question you're asking. So you haven't seen the TikTok. <laughs> They've they showed TikToks that rulers weren't the same. I mean, oh, the cool. that, so like you would talk about measures, accuracy versus yeah. precision and stuff, right? But but a lot of times, I think the people. I mean, okay, look, smart instructor, right? I've taught a couple hundred people how to how to use and read smart data. Okay, more than so, that. so out of that sample size, yeah, yeah. If you count when count you, YouTube, you're talking thousands. Okay, so I've taught some people how to how to use an analyzer and to oh. interpret it. And you talk about the issues that these people have with it. 
and I realize we're up against the clock here yet again, but but the reality is this is almost always rooted in either they're not measuring in a way that's going to give them the answer that they're trying to get, or they don't understand the limitations of the measurement they're trying to take. Right. Um, so we'll call it limitations. Yes. Yeah. Horseshoes. So like, but, but the horseshoes are people induced, not data. Induced. If you, if you go, yes. if you go, the snare drum sounds like shit environment too. EQing the entire PA is not the correct. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. you got to understand what you're trying. Well, here's the other thing, right? <laughs> Smart doesn't do anything to your system. It does nothing. So, Sometimes I've heard people say, well, someone came in and they smarted the system and it sounded worse after they left. Smart can't, the audio analyzer can't do shit. It can't make decisions. It can't turn knobs. It can't type in delay times. A human did that. So what you're saying is we hired a human who didn't know what they were doing. You, someone made bad decisions, right. didn't understand their tools, didn't understand what they were doing, didn't whatever it is, whatever the reason is. Someone came in and changed, yeah, someone came in and changed some settings and they didn't do a good job. And that's why it doesn't sound good. Period. If you're blaming right. this on a tool that has no ability to change anything, that's a scapegoat. Right. The ba- the bacon didn't cook itself. You put it over the fire for too long and made it too crispy. So it's not, what- the gun didn't shoot itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so then we're back to where we started, Kyle, which is you need to understand your tools and how to correct, use them and what they're correct. telling you and what they're not telling you. Right. Very right. important bits. And I'm not right. discounting that any way, shape or form, man, but it, I learned it in height. I learned it in environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I never see this. And, and this is one of the things is like uh, breezeways or walkways yep. and um, different elevations and humidity. Um, I didn't think about the humidity thing. I had to be reminded about humidity. Um, so those will be what you would call limitations. And I'm saying as the SE or the engineer, you're throwing the horseshoe to hopefully use that data to correct those problems that weren't necessarily shown it's, in the data. Yeah, it's context, 100%. It's, it's looking at the data and going, yeah. it's, a little, it's a little low at the high frequency all the way up in the back, but I'm not going to touch it because it's going to come back when the room fills up. That's what I'm talking about. Correct. And, and that's... Kyle's Midas class 101 is like, you can look at your EQ all day while you're EQing it, but it it's not going to have any relevance on what your ear is going to actually hear at the end of the day. Same thing with, with your, you know, Hey, someone's smart in my room. Like, and it's sounded worse after they left. Same thing. Like if you're sitting there watching the data and you're not applying it correctly and you're not realizing the limitations of where it goes, then that's why I wanted to make the SE mm-hmm. mixer thing happen because your ears are just as important. And Sam even said it too, is like um, ear training is important with that because you're, you're listening for gaps. And, and situational awareness for, too, Kyle. I mean, so here's the example yeah. I use all the time. We had, so Volby uh, front of house is about 115 feet from the stage every day, give or take 10 feet. We have one show. It's a half arena. Front of house is now 42 feet from the stage. So we're right on top of it. The PA is right over us. So that has its own things. But the thing that I want to talk about is now we have a stage thrust that's 25 feet long. There's a, there's a, there's a front fill on the edge of that thrust. So now it's blowing into the mix position. So that day I said, instead of timing the front fill the way I usually do, I'm going to time it to mix position to arrive at the same time as the PA because the mix engineers are going to hear that thing all night. 
So there is nothing in any program or any prediction software, any measurement software, anything that says, hey, you might want to time your front fill differently today because you're, you're, it's going to be more audible to your front of house. That is experience and it is situational awareness and it's using your brain. And now when I decide to time my fill a certain way, you can do it by ear, you can do it with your measurement, it doesn't matter. But the tools that we use to answer these questions are not going to go, hey, tap you on the shoulder. Might want to time your front fill differently today. That's just called paying attention and, and using your skill set, right? So that's the part that well, gets be, messed you know It would be fun if you today? get the little clip. The, the, the clippy? Uh, yeah, bing, bing, bing. The, the, yeah, yeah clippy, clippy guy. Yeah, that's uh, old school. Clip, clippy said you should also transfer function your headphones to your PA. Hmm. I, I always uh, thought that was a good one, you know, because that was one of the things that I always did was do the old yeah, one ear well, thing. Yeah. And now and, and now I can do through smart transfer function. I can get in the ballpark mm-hmm. and uh, put headphones on and hear the PA at the same time I'm hearing yep. my phones. Yeah. So I think we're talking about using all the tools you have available to you. But at the end of the day, you're driving the boat. You're making the decision. You know, Pat Brown said it really well. We talk about um, auto EQ. You know, the DBX drive racks and stuff like that, right? You just plug the mic in and you hit a button and it magically makes your system perfect. And Pat Brown said, I'm always interested to see what an auto EQ does when someone is standing in front of the microphone and I've not yet seen one that's smart enough to do nothing. Right? So at the end of the day, the the bottleneck here is always a human who needs to make a decision. And you want to make an informed decision. And part of that is understanding your tools, understanding their limitations. Thank you for attending so, my smart class. <laughs> so you're, all right, la, last last thing here because I know we're up against. The, it's okay. Uh, Ruta Baker Club's still hanging with it. We'll say we'll say yeah. what's up. Yeah. Um, us <laughs> <laughs> for the new Marshmead stickers. I want to pick the less Club. goofy vegetable to to talk about. No, yeah. I th- no, no, the Ruta Baker thing was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And and if you have no idea what we're talking about right now, like go to the end of some other episode. It was recently, and you'll know. You what have we're to listen about. to them so, all. Like, One forty-seven. Yeah. Um, Go but, through the one forties. All right, you're you're gonna go out and mix your namesakes band at back at Coachella this weekend. I am. What 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 did you do, or are you going to do to prepare for that? Funnel the, the best thing about that band is they sound fucking awesome, and their show file is locked in. And and Leo said it, and he said it on the show, and he said it in the article that I wrote about them and he says it to me all the time, they sound fucking good. The best thing you can do is not fuck it up. So literally my gig is make sure all the lines are working. We're going to do a line check and then you just let them rip and you're staying out of the way that, that band, they're monster musicians and they really have it figured out. And so the best thing you can do is just not fuck it up. And so that's my plan is, is make sure all those fucking microphones are working and then just uh, buckle up. Is that right, the only sure, thing you're doing, uh, or is, is Danny Elfman out there dude. again? Yeah, no, it's the same show two weeks in a row. So I'm uh, we are, okay, we are doing right. Lawrence's Friday. I'm, I'm filling in for Lawrence front of house on Friday. Saturday is Elfman round two. So that's awesome. So question: Does Michael Lawrence dance? Hell house? yeah! Yes. So if anyone makes it to the end of this episode 150, which is a triumph in itself, <laughs> and and gonna and be at Coachella, Coachella this weekend. <laughs> I want a video of Michael getting down at but front of house. I'm sure we know, I'm sure how we know awesome, people. How often do you get to mix front of house for a band that you love, like your favorite band? That's fucking sick, man. That's a killer opportunity. And zero zero yeah. times. And, and named zero after you. Yeah. Right? They, so they, 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 so I put a picture up on my Reddit page, and they have their logo up. And someone said, wow, they put the SE's name up on the 
screen. That's a nice gesture. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we wrap up, thank you to all of you for listening, for coming on this journey with us, regardless of how long you've been on board with us. It's an amazing family. It's been life-changing for me to have this incredible community. I'm super thankful for it, super humbled by it. And Sam and Chris and Kyle, in order of seniority, thank you for thank you for coming <laughs> on this journey with me, man. This is this is so cool, and I, I treasure you all dearly, and and uh, hope we can do 150 more. Here's to 150. Yeah, more, baby, y'all. let's do it. That's right, we did it. Is is that a bicentennial? What is that called? What is 150 called? I don't know, buddy. In like. That's a lot of lot of things. Is. Hey Siri, is 150 <laughs> bicentennial? I'm just I making found it this up. On the web. I'm just making it. Yes, 150 is bicentennial. Hey, thank you for joining us on our bicentennial. <laughs> Go see Michael at uh, the Lawrence Show. Go play spot Michael Coachella. Wait, if you've wait, made it this and far, I want to see videos of him dancing. Take off your shirt too. Like, Leo would appreciate it if you took off your shirt. <laughs> I, I, you're not really Michael uh, the Handsome I'm if you wear my Lawrence, your or your my Lawrence baseball jersey that matches the band, but I'm not going to. It's gonna, bright uh, orange. You can't, wear the, you can't wear the band shirt that you're going L- to see. Leo did. Have you not? He's he's from Europe. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it is. Have you ever seen Iron Maiden not wear their t-shirts on stage? No, they're from Europe. It is what it is. Oh, Are you okay, you Sam? Get Hit the button, Chris. <laughs> Hit the button. I want a mouse. Here we go.